This is Unclaimed Bands, show 46. Hey, music listeners, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands. Tonight we're down at the legendary Dobbs, 304 South Street, and our guests tonight are Mile Marker Zero. Hi, guys. Welcome to uh, the show. Thank you for having us. Cool. Uh, I'd like you, if you just go right down the line, introduce yourself and tell us what you do in the band. This is uh, Mark Fosterelli, and I play keyboard. This is Doug Alley, and I'm the drummer. I'm John Toohey, the guitar player. My name is Dave. I'm the lead vocalist. Tim Rakowski, I play bass. All right. Now that we've done the Masketeer roll call, uh, <laughs> thanks very much for that. Uh, you know, I want to jump right in and ask you, I know you guys have covered this a little bit in your bio, or quite a, quite a bit, but I'm kind of interested in about the name of the band. Um, I like the way you described, you know, the whole idea of Mile Marker Zero can be either the beginning of a journey or the end of a journey. And uh, it seems to me that you, the same kind of thought goes into your songs, but can you just go a little bit more into, the, uh, into that name and why? The name uh, came from just hanging out, and uh, actually one of Dave's friends suggested, um, oh, like, my, you know, we had this idea of, actually I had a Character Zero, which is a fish song. I was like, oh, what about that? And I was like, oh, we'll sound like a fish cover band. So one of Dave's friends had mentioned Mile Marker Zero. And I was like, oh, it sounds like so, you know, like a journey. And they're like, yeah, whatever. It sounds good. Um, so, but it does kind of go really well um, with the type of music we write, the story, um, bass music, you know, and adventurous kind of way that we work. Okay. Okay. So it really didn't start out quite as much thought, but then later. It did. Yeah, but it ended up, it ended up working good, out I pretty like well. That. Sorry if I ruined that for Mystique for anybody out there. Just <laughs> ignore that part. We're shrouded in tons of mystique. <laughs> Just the way it should be, right? Uh, well, how did you guys all form as a band? Well, I mean, we, we had started actually as a, a five-piece type of, almost like a cover band, um, back when we were in school together. And then eventually it turned into almost like a Ben Folds 5 meets like progressive concept as a three-piece piano band. And then, um, you know, in the mid two thousand time period we added um john on guitar and my brother playing drums and i started just singing instead of playing drums and that's how we kind of got where we're going met in our uh, undergrad at uh, western connecticut as you know studying music and things and it kind of took off from there so okay okay so basically guys basically all men in school yeah men in college yeah right, that's good mm -hmm. that's good a lot of good bands happen that way mm -hmm. you know we can name a few but no need to hootie and the Blowfish, <laughs> obviously Hootie and the Hootie. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. But okay. yeah, I think Guster did, too. Uh, well, you know, after listening to a um, number of your songs, and uh, I've been a fan now for a while since I actually saw you down here at Dobbs, um, can you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process and how it starts? And, you know, I mean, how, how, do they, how does it begin for you? Well, I mean, it really depends on the songs, especially the newer stuff that we're going to put out on the next album um it's been very 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 collaborative we're a, we're a democratic band you know one person doesn't come in and go this is it this is everything this is how we're going to do it like a lot of other bands we each have our own input you know we try to be as 20 percent across the board as we can um so for certain individual songs someone will come in with a riff or an idea or a topic or a, or a lyric idea and then we all pretty much get in a room and we jam and we hash it out and um and work on stuff and then it ends up being what it is. You know, you can kind of tell who brought in what idea at the beginning, but you'd never be able to tell by the time the song's done, yeah. which we like. You know, we want to have a collective sound and not just five individuals. I, I would imagine that that obviously takes a, would, would, might take a little bit longer to write a song, but everybody gets their, their voice in. And lots of hashing. Yeah, lots of hashing. With I think we, we, it's, it always starts like this. Hey, let's do it like this, and we do it. 
and then we experiment the other like 15,000 ways we could have played it and then it always goes back to a combination of the first thing we played and then like some minor tweaking but we try we literally will exhaust every idea you know every whatever time signature let's try it in this key let's do it like this it, Wow. Try everything. I think one of the strengths of our band is that everybody in the band is a really good musician. And mm. so we, when someone says, oh, you should play, like, for instance, if I say, talk to Doug, my drummer, and be like, dude, this is a great Danny Carey drum part. He'll know exactly what I mean by yeah. that. Mm. And he'll be like, oh, kind of something like this. And then suddenly the song might take a turn. You know? Or I could, say, I could say to Mark, my piano player, I'd be like, all right, so I'm thinking that you should do some Genesis keyboards on this. And he'll know exactly what that means. And, and in that way, we're able to try so many things that a lot of other bands don't have the vocabulary for. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, I think because of that, we mix different influences and it becomes something hopefully unique if we've done it right. Well, along those lines, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, uh, you know, every one of you has a classical education in music, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost all. And Almost John, all. John's actually jazz, and so he's jazz. jazz. Yeah. That's okay. You went to school for it. Yeah. Yeah. Classical. <laughs> yeah. But uh, how do you think that um, you know affects your approach to music making? You know, compared to say other bands. I mean, not to put other bands down, but obviously, you know, having a wealth of background like that, it's not like you just taught yourself six chords and started joining in the band. Makes it harder. Yeah, makes it harder. Yeah, it definitely makes it harder. It, yeah, when you have a the, the broader the vocabulary gets the more you don't settle for things and the more you want to try new things and the more, you know, everyone has a very powerful voice in the band, you know, so if somebody, mm-hmm. and everyone's real, you know, very well educated in what we're talking about, so it's not like anyone's kind of along for any sort of a ride. Somebody could easily perk up and correct someone else or, or try something different. Or, or So it actually, it actually takes a lot longer. People would think that being, you know, a better musician or I don't want to say better, but a more, you know, educated musician would make it easier. It actually makes it much more time consuming, <laughs> yeah. I would say, in an essence. You also don't settle for anything but, you know, your best. And in the practice room, it, it starts to reflect, too, because you're used to being, you know, at the grind all the time. You have to almost kind of come out more. You have to think less like yourself and more as in what's the, the best for the group when you're kind of in music school. Um, you're working so much on what is great for you, and then you need to. It, it takes. It, sometimes it's it's difficult to go. Okay, well maybe that you know this is this is great, but maybe this doesn't work. So you have to learn what works for the best for the five of you, mm-hmm. or at least in our case, five of us. That makes sense. It's you know, I mean having uh, having everybody strive towards a perfection level, uh, I think is the way that all bands should really do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you never know. Who, who's, uh, who's kind of like, yeah, whatever you want me to play, whatever. But I think with uh, certainly listening to your music, uh, you can see the, uh, the work that goes into it. You can certainly hear it. Okay. Well, thank, so thank you. Thanks. You know, you know one, of the main, on one of the main things that we try to do is not... We, we don't want to be a super technical, super shred-fest band. We really don't want to be like that. There's plenty of bands who do that amazingly. You know, we want to write really good songs, but yet perform them really well and bring our knowledge of... of you know all the things that we've studied. You know, in my case, guitar. I want to. I want to bring some unique, hopefully, uh, influences and stuff to my solos and and my parts that I write. But we don't really want to get bogged down in, you know, being the next Dream Theater or being the next because they <laughs> they've already done it so well. It, it's it's pointless to try to copy. You know, yeah. so song first for us. No need to reinvent it. Okay. Well, speaking of songs, uh, why don't we take a listen to one of your songs now? Uh, I think the best one we, we could listen to first, um, speaking of like Danny Carey drums and stuff inspired, um, I guess we'll check out Reaping Tide. That was actually a, a track off of our um, current disc that's available on iTunes and in, you know, at shows and things like that. Um, and it was featured in the rock band video game. 
Okay, great. Doug plays great drum parts, so okay. I like that one. All right, well, this is Reaping Tide by Mile Marker Zero.
Okay, that was Reaping Tide. Guys, where is the best place for people to uh, get your music, get a hold of it? Uh, hit us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash milemarkerzero. Um, we're constantly posting stuff up there, all the new tracks, um, anything we can get our hands on that we can release at the moment. We're currently re- uh, working on a new album, uh, so a lot of that stuff's kind of in the bag at the moment. Um, but, Putting up some videos. Though. But Yeah, yeah, actually we've uh, been trying to throw up some... Uh, just to, to wet people's palettes, do some uh, cover tracks, along with some videos too. Uh, we just recently did uh, an audio slave cover, um, which and just you know do some makeshift videos that. Uh, I saw that video. That was yeah. good. Dig it. We yeah, might, yeah. We, we might even play that tonight. We might even play yeah, that. All right, all right. And you can buy it at iTunes. <laughs> Excellent. And, and I would imagine people can also buy your uh, your discs at uh, your shows too, right? Oh yes, yeah. that's the best place to to do it. I think you know. Yeah, shows online, all those uh, all the digital media. Cool, cool. Now, you mentioned uh, Reaping Time, and I was going to ask you about that. You guys had three songs on Rock Band. Uh, yes, sir. You know, I, Rock Band's coming down a little bit, you know, but what was that like when that happened? I mean, knowing that people are, like, going to be playing your songs in their living room. Well, we actually, it was amazing when we first got offered to, to do it, and we were like, oh, this is going to be great. And we actually played a gig uh, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, that was titled MMZ versus The Audience, and they had a Rock Band <laughs> screen. And we were, after we'd play a set, we would actually challenge audience members to play against us in the rock band. Uh-huh. Um, but playing our own, playing our, playing our own songs. songs. Playing our own wow. songs. And uh, I failed on my own guitar solo. It's so <laughs> unbelievably bad. Yeah. I know this is an interview, it's kinda, but this is a candid thing. John sucks at rock band. Oh, terrible. <laughs> really like, bad. I don't care. It's terrible. terrible. It's terrible. like, it's... Because it's, it's not it's like really playing the it's guitar. It's the only time I can play lead guitar. It's <laughs> 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 when we play rock band. The best, is, the best is when those kids on YouTube, they put up like their sight reading version of oh, yeah. like Reaping Tide and they yeah. play it perfectly. Yep. And it's just, it, it boggles my mind. And I'm just like, just sit down on a real drum set. It, it was, it was <laughs> pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, inspiring and, and kind of, I don't know what the word I want to use is, but I, I was kind of taken back by the fact that, you know, we play video, we grew up playing video games and, you know, I've even played rock band in college many times, and all of a sudden it's like you're watching, you know, the game, and you're watching people just posting things randomly, and it's like, yo, this is our song. Oh, you know, you know? we actually had a cool. band from Texas do a cover That's right. from the rock band uh, really? video yeah. for um, A Thousand Nights, uh, the first track on our last album. They did a they did a cover version, very different than our than our version, but they first heard it on Rock Band, and uh, we found it not too long ago, and it was so cool to have someone from Texas that we've never had contact with uh, pick our song and decide to do a cover version based on the rock band. So it shows you how, how video games and things like that are really can get your music to places and people that you'd never think of. That, that band is actually a Rose of Jericho. Yes. I, w- I wanted to drop that because that's cool, really cool that cool. they did that. So I thought I would say that. <laughs> that's, yeah, really, that's very cool that they just saw it there and uh, did yeah. it from there. Yeah. It was very cool. We were going very, to go backwards like real quick, you were asking yeah. about our, that's actually one place where the, the musical training helped because we had to write out all the music for it. Yeah. So that luckily oh, for really? us. Yeah, we, we all had to transcribe the parts. Transcribe the entire So book. that was yeah. one thing yeah. actually from that spot that actually helped us. Yeah. Okay, okay. So bands out there, if you're hoping to get the same treatment, yeah, you, there's a little bit more work involved there. Yeah. Than just, <laughs> or pay like, someone who knows. Yeah, call, yeah, call us. We'll do it for 20 bucks. <laughs> you, can, you can pay us. Either <laughs> the way it translates into work, the money's going to be right, changed. Right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, on your post on your website in February, you guys talked about uh, that you're working on a record. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume you still are. So how does that record, uh, what you're working on now, differ from your past efforts? I would say that this one... we. 
you know, the, we we had started as a um, as a band that did like an EP just to like kind of get it out there, and it turned into like a little bit of an album. It was kind of a little more disjunct, a little more like five individuals. The next one came together, and about fifty percent of the record was like guys writing songs together, and then it was you know the other half of the album, which was a little more again separated. And as John said, the process has become so diplomatic that this is the first time I think we've ever had a full-fledged effort of 10 tracks or more, depending on how things work out, of really great songs that we all collectively feel really strong about, and they're all mm-hmm. split, you know, into five guys. Like, this, these are the songs, this is how they go, 20% down the middle, we've all been involved top to bottom, and we're very proud of the songwriting on this one in particular. So a little bit of a different approach than the last CD. Gotcha, gotcha. And it rocks. <laughs> it's just harder. It's also, also harder. The, the, the amount of songs we wrote in preparation for the album yeah. is drastically larger than the last album. We wrote 10 songs, then we recorded the album that we currently have out. Yeah. Now we wrote about 30, and we... Actually, 30 more, or maybe yeah. 40. 30 recorded, 50, yeah. 50 songs. Yeah. Like and that. we picked We picked 10. 10. So this is going to be like a double disc thing, or... No. Just no. Edit it down from there. No, we were, no, we were challenged more to write as much as possible mm-hmm. it was the first time that we had actually some outside like opinion other than the five of us so it, it which was actually really good um to have some different in, influence or not not necessarily influence but input rather than us so Mark we wrote so much material and we had we had to really challenge ourselves to find come together and, and find what were the best 10 were he's talking about our producer vic steffens of uh elm city music okay okay it's nice to finally have like you know vic, someone like vic Vic Steffens and Michael Kaplan, the guys who are running the label, kind of be involved in like, hey, yeah, this is okay. And actually get like a, this is okay, you guys can do better. Like we've never really been, you know, other than our friends who are very supportive and our, our fans who like whatever. You know? Yeah, that's It's that's nice to have something, different. yeah, this is good, you guys can do better. So yeah. that's kind of how it built up to where it was. Now they're with Elm City and they just announced in July, I guess, that mm-hmm. they were going to be signing you guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we were gonna, they're, they're the first national based, the first label based in Connecticut that has national and international ties because they're linked with EMI. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael Kaplan used to work for Sony and for, um, uh, uh, what's the other one? Or Music? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Vic, so, with, uh, Horizon Music. Vic works for Horizon Music and they, they've had a lot of experience. Um, so they've been really super supportive. They love our music, so they're letting us do what we do, but at the same time, helping us to really push ourselves to do the best that we can. So they're not like, it's, they're very musically based, so they're, they are letting us kind of be ourselves, but in the same way, knowing what is really, yeah, you they're, know, they're guiding us. but not controlling. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, wow, that's, that's Which is nice, because that's not like the that. case for a lot of groups, unfortunately. No, 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 unfortunately it isn't. But uh, you have to get to that level in order to, to attract it like that. Right. So. Now with the new record, I know that you guys did some recording. You did about two records at Applehead Studios, mm-hmm. you did some at Horizon, and you also did some uh, at your own kind of recording uh, facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like for you guys to be able to piece together like that? I mean, did you find it distracting, or was it nice to be able to take breaks in between the studios? It's, or? it's really different. I mean, when you go up to a place like Applehead, which is up in uh, Woodstock, well, Saugerties, Woodstock, New York, you know, you're very isolated, so when you're there, you feel very like, you know, okay, let's get some work done. What's cool about working at Horizon is actually the contrary. You know, it's, you know, it's a place where if it's a Thursday night and I feel like I want to go do something, I can go do it because it's not very far away. Mm-hmm. So depending on the, the vibe of the day, you know, if, you know, with all schedules, you know, pending, 
you know, we can get in there and just be like, hey, you know, we got this idea, let's go do it. Or talk to Vic and say, hey, we wrote a song, let's get in. You know, there's no like, you know, Applehead is a busy place, so scheduling it was very difficult and, you know, you'd have to map it out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, dropping a line to Guys at Horizon, you could just jump right in there. But piecing it together and recording, uh, you know, some of the stuff on our own these days. It's the norm. It's, I mean, I, I like personally, especially if I'm going to track solos and stuff, um, I. I like having my own setup where I can try, you know, 40 takes and be like, ah, take seven was a good take and <laughs> use that for my solo. You know, before when we'd have to record in the studio, it was, um, I'd have to make sure I knew exactly what I was going to do. And so that leads, you know, because there's not a lot of time. So that leads yeah. to less improvisation. And I, I really like going for it, you know. And when you do it on your own through great equipment, you can spend 50 takes and then leave it alone for a week and come back and go, Wow, there was really something about take seven that was great, you know. Um, so I, I personally love working that way, um, at least for certain things. But I do like I do like uh, when we do the drum tracks. I like to be there and, and everybody playing in the same room because you get a lot of energy. And then when you go to overdub later, it gets it's you still have that same amount of energy. Whereas if you're everybody's recording separate all the time, it can kind of lose something in translation. I think. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we uh, take a pause and listen to another song? Uh, what are we gonna hear? Yeah, this one will be uh, where I uh, got you where I want you. Okay, got you where I want you. All right, this is Mile Markers here with Got You Where I Want You. So I woke up today and I felt my head bang. Thought about last night. I could feel all the pain. I soak up all the shame, but I feel alright.
Turd, uh, got you where I want you. What's the best place for people to keep uh, keep up to date with you guys? Find out what's going on and uh, you know find out where you're playing at. Well, our our, our 2013 uh, pitches, you know, a lot of social media, trying to get more out there, videos, pictures. We're gonna, you know, the Twitter thing, the the social networking is where we're gonna try to be as aggressive as we can. You can always hit our website milemarkerzero.com. Is that the link for everything else? Yeah, I mean, yes. we, oh, it's, it's all linked together. I mean, that's a good hub for everything. Mm -hmm. um, we do have an official YouTube channel. If you just do YouTube, you know, uh, oh, cool. slash MMZ official. And, uh, we, you know, we're trying to do covers like uh, Tim had actually mentioned before. We're trying to do like a cover every few weeks just to kind of keep the page, you know, you know, spiced up until yeah, we get keep, the record keep out. Keep it going. Like keep that, keep so. the keep everything up in the in the public's eye. But we do. We're pretty. You know, we're pretty open with things. People talk to us. We talk back. So okay. we're not afraid the, of talking to people. Online. This band is not scary. People talk to them. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> reach out and talk to them. Uh, Good stories. Well, what uh, you know? This one's for each one of you. Can you tell us a little bit about your musical influences? What's interesting about this band is that we all have. There are some musical influences that are all the same, but we have a lot of different things as well. And what's good about that is, you know, we're we're not afraid to go into different places and, and challenge ourselves. I know for me, um, I'm a big, I grew up on classic rock. I'm a big progressive rock guy. I love mm -hmm. Dream Theater and the old prog bands like Genesis and and uh, Yes, um, and a lot of the newer, more extreme progressive bands like Opeth and um, Between the Barrier to Me and stuff like that. But I loved Van Halen as a kid and, and Rush, and um, so that's kind of the side that I I bring into the group personally. Yeah, going along with what Mark said, I th it's it's really funny that I can describe each person's main like what they're listening to right now. Like Mark is the classic rock, progressive, like Genesis, old school guy. I listen to modern rock, mm -hmm. like Paramore, mm -hmm. and you know things like that. John is listens to a lot of jazz fusion. Dave, a lot of singer-songwriter and Queen, and Tim loves like his heavy Cannibal Corpse and things like that. You know, so um, for me personally, I mean, I love Tool. Um, you know, big drumming bands. You know, Neil Peart from Rush, and you know, just any anyone with a good drummer, I'm down to listen to, and I, I'll love it. So, yeah, and Doug's uh, okay. You definitely spoke for me. Uh, <laughs> I love. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the map as far as my influences. I'm I'm kind of the same as Mark in the old influences. I love Van Halen and the Eagles and classic rock. And uh, you know, as I learned more stuff and played guitar more and I and went to college and I fell into jazz fusion hardcore. I love Alan Holdsworth and, and really amazing guitar players. They're just a uh, new guy, Guthrie Govan. He's a big influence on me for the last couple of years from England. He's amazing. He's really good. I saw that YouTube video posted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, crazy. I mean... Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> I mean, like I said, Doug kind of did a, did a good job with it. I don't know. For me personally, if it's a song that's good, I like it. I, gotcha. I don't know if it's a... If it's the new Justin Timberlake album, if it's that band The Cab that Tim, Tim sent me um, through uh, Spotify the other day, I mean, if they have a, a good track, then I'm into it and I'll check it out. I mean, I grew up listening to obviously classic rock, Rush, and you know, Pink Floyd, Tool, Radiohead, all those bands. You know, I have my roots too, my 90s mm -hmm. origins, but these days, I mean, I have no problem and I will admit to being a sucker for the radio sometimes. I mean, I like hearing like just people writing good songs. I know that might not be the person singing the song that wrote it, but I, I do have a passion for good songwriting, so that kind of is something I'm into. Yeah, definitely. Uh, bass player-wise, uh, obviously we said Rush a couple times, but Getty Lee, of course. Uh, Primus, without a doubt, huge, mm. huge on me. Um, 
definitely love my metal, my Between the Bear and Me and Lamb of God and all that good stuff and some breakdowns and Barrier Dead and yada yada. Um, <laughs> and then I'll go and throw and be like, all right, cool, now it's time for Herbie Hancock and like some Chopin and Rufus Wainwright and some indie Arctic Monkeys stuff, you know, whatever, you know. It's, it's all good it it's, it's, if it's music. Yeah, it's, it's logical to me. I don't know. <laughs> like, why don't you guys get it? Yeah. <laughs> He's misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally misunderstood. Well, um, you know, your live shows uh, are full of a lot of energy. I mean, I've seen you know, like two or three times now. But your Halloween show uh, just blew me away last year. Where Thank did you. that idea come from? It's because Dave and I really like Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> like a whole absurd, bunch. Absurd amount and, of and so, and, and somehow we conned the other guys in. Not that they don't like <laughs> Halloween, but somehow we, we talked the guy, other guys into doing spending a lot of time on preparing a medley. I mean, I remember when we were, when I was making up the list of songs, I have it on my iPad still downstairs. I remember being like, so these are the songs I think we should like kind of look at. And it was like a lot of songs. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, you know what? Let's just play all of them, you know? And then the whole multimedia with the video and all that stuff. I mean, we had started experimenting with that. Um, just as, you know, what can we do that no one else is doing at the, you know, the lower local level, if you will, the non-regional, non-national level. And they say, you know what? No one is doing a full multimedia presentation with the favorite Halloween movies with their with the tracks from the movie. Like, no one's doing that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it just seemed like something we should try, and it was challenging. And I'll be honest, the medley came together in, I don't not a few days. A, it, like, it took like a little while. It didn't like, take that long. <laughs> the the I mean, video took a long time to make. The video took longer to make than it did to rehearse and yeah. write the entire medley, I would say. Yeah. And I want to thank Apple and the... Uh, Final Cut Pro. <laughs> because doing an iMovie the first time around was not fun. <laughs> so, well, it, was, it was definitely, definitely very entertaining. And, uh, you know, so, so everybody out there listening, you have to understand that the night that I saw these guys, they were head to toe in suits with bunny masks on. And they didn't talk to me at all. I did a lot of talking. There was a lot of head nodding. Yeah. And then they put on this incredible show. With like you said, with the multimedia, the songs, and everybody was into it. It was just just really, really great. It's pretty. So. It's pretty epic. We're really excited to play it again tonight. In fact, uh, Jim had asked us to work, play the Dobbs to do this type of a function uh, a couple times, mm -hmm. and this is the first time we've actually been able to get down here and do it. So we're actually really excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Halloween in March. I mean, I mean why not? Exactly. We did, we right? did it in uh, wow. December. We did, uh, we did it on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we did it on Christmas. <laughs> in uh, in New England, our, the uh, in what what year was it? Two years ago. Two years ago. Because uh, the, the I don't know if it was that long ago, but we, it, there was all that snow on Halloween. Oh, that's right. And it was like a couple feet of snow in New England, and we had to cancel our show because there was no power pretty much in all of Connecticut, and we had to reschedule, and we did it on Christmas, right before Christmas. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and it was... Uh, it was crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. To do Halloween on Christmas, and now to do it on Easter. I mean, we've, only got, we've only got a few major holidays left. Yeah. Yeah. We can do it all year, July, I guess. July, so. right? Arbor Day. Okay, so <laughs> Cinco de Mayo is coming up, you know. Well, um, what's next for Mile Marker Zero after this? Probably, um, we just pretty much finished tracking at least the bit, you know, most of the tracks for the new album. Um, so it's going to be kind of going through that. Making sure you know every we want you know everything's there the way we want it. Picking probably what will be the the main singles, and then letting the the label guys go forth and and figure out how we're gonna promote it, how we're gonna release it, 
and then getting behind that as much as possible and, and playing and, and promoting and, and taking our music to as many people as possible. Cool. Well, I'm definitely excited to hear the new stuff. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. It's going to be sweet. Well, guys, I want to thank you for taking your time before your thank show you. tonight to uh, sit down and do this interview. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, until next time, everybody, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands, and this was Mile Marker Zero. Thank you. Thank you. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of Unclaimed Bands, its parent company, or its